Hi, Elizabeth. Um, that reminds me of something. I, as I'm praying, I just thought of something I've, it's really important I forgot about. I need to talk to Randy about. But pray that I can remember that till we're done. All right, so um, <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles, we're in the, this uh, section on body life. And uh, we've, we're on our third lesson here on relation. So we're, you know, we're halfway done and uh, coming down the hill. And uh, last time we got together, we'll just kind of, by way of review, our first session we looked at provision and protection, uh, how that comes from the local church. We defined the local church, talked about that. The function uh, of the local church was talked about in the second lesson, you know, your place in the local church. And uh, this session we're talking about relation, uh, your relationship to God and others. And I didn't really get into the vertical and horizontal relationship aspects yet, but I will do that tonight. And um, we saw three uh, things, our relation, or three things that we're really seeing is our relationship to God and others is spiritual, it's directional, and it is transformational. And I, those are blanks on your hand out there, so if you're wanting to fill those in and haven't done that, you can catch up on that. It's uh, spiritual, directional, and transformational. And, uh, and so uh, uh, last week we talked about the relationship uh, to God the Father and sonship, which if you've been through D1, we spend a lot of time on this in our discipleship uh, lessons, lessons one and two, and how we relate to God the Father as a son when we're born again. And so we spent some time uh, in the Word of God talking about that. Um, I'm going to skip through the verses here. And then we talked about uh, this vertical fellowship as we relate uh, our relation uh, to God the Son is, is, is a vertical fellowship. So getting into some of this directional concepts, right? How we, Colossians chapter 3 says we need to set our affections on things above. So there's that vertical, uh, kind of a enlightened, uh, to use a more esoteric term, uh, relationship, a vertical relationship through the Word of God, through our relationship to God. So our fellowship with God the Father is possible because of the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And there's several verses that we looked at there. I'm going to skip through those, skip to my loo. And that leads us to where we left off. I didn't move very fast last week. The last verse I left I left on I left us on was First John chapter two verses one and two, where uh, John says, "My little children, these things write I unto you that you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world." All right, so. Uh, now, I didn't give you the, the sub-outline uh, because last week when I was preparing this, I didn't, um, I really just didn't have time to get it all in there for you, which I apologize. But I talked to you about how Jesus gives us access to God through a sacrifice for our sins and uh, how he is the, you know, he's introduced as the Lamb of God, First John, or John chapter 1, verse 36, and how he fulfills the prophecies and died as our Passover Lamb in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it mentions that how Jesus uh, is our replacement for sin. We talked about that in Isaiah, that prophecy. Uh, and then how Jesus died once for sins. I, I kind of parked the car on that and talked about uh, the, the theological aspects, how Jesus died once for sin. Because there's a lot of churches uh, that actually, uh, and they're not biblical churches, that teach that Jesus is perpetually suffering and atoning for your sin. And that is not true. He's already done it. His death was enough on the cross and so 2,000 years ago, when he said it is finished, it was finished. So we talked about that, and that led us into this passage in 1 John. Uh, 1 Peter 3.18 and Hebrews 10 
that are listed on the screen there are two verses that very clearly say that he was uh, he suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Um, but it says at the beginning of verse 18 there, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins. And then in Hebrews 10, it is very clear that, that he offered one sacrifice for sins. Um, and that's not an exhaustive uh, uh, list of verses on that subject, by the way. That's just a couple references I put in there uh, off the top of my head. Um, but it, you can study further on that. There, Jesus was offered once for sin. That's a, that is a, a very important uh, theological point. Um, but when it comes to our relationship to God, it, it's, the reason that's important is because there's no carrot and stick. Uh, you're not going to lose your salvation. You're not going to, um, you know, you're not, you're not causing Jesus perpetual, you know, pain on the cross, which is kind of the concept um, of, um, of what Rome would teach, for instance. So, um, however, you, it doesn't mean that you're not quenching and grieving the Spirit. So I do, there, there is a consequence to uh, disobedience. We'll talk more about that. But Jesus gives us access to God through His sufficiency as our advocate and propitiation, which is clearly what 1 John 2, 1 and 2 talks about. So when you get down to, to uh, this is a, another point I'm going to make in this next series of verses, and I'm not sure they're delineated on your, in your notes. So um, the next thought in this subject in regarding to our vertical relationship to God and what, how Jesus um, helps us fulfill that is Jesus gives us access to God uh, as our mediator. And this is closely aligned with, with 1 John 2, 1 and 2. But if you have your Bibles now, let's look at uh, 1 Timothy um, I'm not going to throw the verse up. I'm even going to have it up in just a second. But I want you to see the text itself. I think we did talk about this last week. First um, Timothy chapter uh, 2 and verse 5. Uh, the text there says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. So you don't have to pray about that. He wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's will. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So, so that's another way we get that vertical relationship is we have one mediator, right? We had one sacrifice for sin, and now we have one mediator uh, between us and God, and that is Jesus Christ. So, uh, you know, I'm your pastor, and I'll pray for you, but ultimately you, you get your, your prayers go straight to heaven just like mine do, right? They go past the ceiling because Jesus Christ is your mediator. And and so First John or uh, First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 makes that very clear. There's one mediator between God and men. So there's some churches that teach that that uh, because of your venal sins or whatever sins that are, are clouding your, your your ability to access God, you need to go through the, the holy man, right, to get to God. Now, certainly, um, we should be holy, you know, because we are holy, so we should be holy. But ultimately, we should all be holy, and we're all priests, and we're all kings, and we all should have access um, to God the Father through His Son, because there's one mediator between God and men. There's not, uh, you know, you don't have to, uh, come and give me a ten dollar bill and say, "Pray for me," you know that you and, and that my prayers, you know, so that God will answer my prayers, or that you know you can pray for me, so something will be happening. 
in my life. Now, that sounds a little, in this group, I know for you all, you're like, well, of course not. But like Sharon, down where you were living, that really happened, didn't it? All the time. People would uh, do indulgences to try to earn favor with the church, so the, the holy man would go in and, and, and intercede for them. And that's just blasphemous. Um, and yet, and it's very clear in the Bible, there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And so uh, you're at liberty, uh, of course, to go to the throne. You have your relationship with God, uh, which is a wonderful thing. So Hebrews chapter 7, uh, let's look at this verse. It says, by, by so much uh, was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Now this is dealing with the New Testament, of course. <laughs> and they truly were, uh, they truly were many priests because they were not uh, suffered to continue by reason of death. But talking about the Old Testament priesthood, Aaron's priesthood. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. So unlike Aaron's priesthood, the priesthood that that uh, Jesus um, not only uh, uh, possesses but also has given to us is an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he liveth or he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And so literally Jesus Christ is our mediator. He is interceding for us. Uh, another verse that, that um, goes along with this is Romans 8.34. Uh, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So he twice there is dealing with intercession now, Hebrews is obviously a double, well, I say obviously, some, some don't know this, but Hebrews has a, a Jewish, it's a Jewish epistle. It's written to Hebrews. It has a you know, doctrinal context in the coming tribulation. Uh, but you can't get away from 1 Timothy 2.5 or Romans 8.34. Those are directly uh, written to the church age, and they directly apply to us. And so he is our mediator. He is our, our intercessor. And, of course, uh, Hebrews also applies uh, to us in the sense that we are priests and kings as well. So um, let me pause there and take a breath. So you guys, I think you probably get that. But are there any questions on, on that? That's important as we move forward. Because you might be thinking, well, what has I got to do with that? You know, the body of Christ? Well, I'm glad you're asking really good questions. So do you have a point B on your outline? Actually, I have an outline. No, I don't have an outline. I gave them all away. So, is there an extra one? That way, I know what I'm, how how to guide you, or not guide you. As long as I don't misguide you, okay. Um, yeah. So that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, I'm trying to find out where I left you. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I've got like I've got a lot to say here in this little blank. You guys can be taking notes. So, if you were a note taker, here's your next sentence. The written word of God should be a part of your daily diet. So, we're talking the vertical aspect of our relationship to God is it starts with our fellowship with God um and in our in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, but we have we have a part in that, and that is um, the written Word of God, right? So we have Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God, and He gives us access to the Father. But you also have this written book, right, that helps your vertical relationship with God. So the written Word of God should be part of your daily diet. And so that takes us to Job uh, chapter 23 and verse 12, which is listed under point number two there. Uh, you know, and this is, this is more practical. 
Uh, and again, this is in our discipleship lessons as well. Neither, uh, Job says, Neither have I gone back from thy commandment of, of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Right? So anyone ever fast? It's good to fast every so often. I fasted last week as I was sick. It had nothing to do with me being uh, fasting for spiritual reasons. I just had a fever and I didn't want to eat. And, um, um, but you know what? Once your appetite comes back, man, you, you really want some food. Now, I don't know about you all, but my body likes to eat food. And um, the Bible should be more... I mean, Job says it. I know it's Old Testament, but it doesn't change. Uh, that is a truth, right? That, and this is Job's perspective. And, and of course, um, we know from Job's testimony, he was dead serious about that. More than food, right? The, the, the promises of God meant more to him than food. And it should, right? Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, uh, Paul said. Well, you know what? We don't live for our belly, right? The Bible is what we live for, right? And uh, the Word of God, Jesus, is the one who quickened us, spoke us into existence, took us out of the dust of the ground, breathing into our nostrils the breath of life, quickens our soul, right? His Word is everything. Uh, And so in uh, Psalm 42 and verse 1, uh, the Bible says, "As as the heart, of course everybody says the deer, but the heart panteth after the water, Brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And so, you know, uh, there should be a thirst, a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to give you some practical practical things and, and reasons why sometimes that's not the case. But just continue to think about what, the, you know, these Bible characters say. Uh, David in Psalms 119, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Uh, I had a years ago. I had a pastor that would talk about you know uh, we should want the word of God like a um, uh, the 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 uh, the guru that takes the the disciple and and uh, holds him underwater you know and when you want when you want the word of God like you want air you know you're ready to learn. I don't know if you've ever heard that analogy. It's kind of brutal, but uh, but really that's. Uh, there is a certain sense that that's what David's saying. You know, I panted, I longed for thy commandments. Uh, you know, he wanted to, he just, <coughs> more than air in his lungs, <clears throat> he wanted the words of God. And so, um, one of the things that, that's uh, practical in nature to this is, uh, is just the importance of taking the word of God in is, is so important to your vertical relationship and your identity, which I'm going to have a whole session on identity, but... But I, I know in my own life, I don't always feel like eating the Word of God. Why? Right? Let me ask you this. How many of you feel like eating a healthy diet? Okay. Okay, a couple of you. Three of you. All right. Do you ever, do you, how many of you long to eat something that's not healthy? All right. All of us, I think, if we're honest. Okay. And so I think that's ultimately... Um, when, when we, now I don't know about you all, but when I'm eating healthy, I feel healthy and I long for healthy food. You guys ever have that experience when I'm eating well and I want more of healthy foods. I don't want toxic food in my body, right? I get to where I'm like, you know, I don't want that. Um, you know, back years ago I did a, uh, I did, this is way back like 20, 20 plus years ago. I did one of the kind of a, it's called the protein power type of diet, and it was more of a, kind of like an Atkins type of diet. Anyway, in that, it was a zero sugar and kind of high protein, 
uh, I kind of mixed it with the, the whatever beach diet that was popular too. So I had early carbs in the day. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I was just losing weight, but man, I wanted sugar so bad. So because, you know, I'm a goodly Odyssean, I wasn't going to eat sugar, but they had, I started to, to eating uh, or drinking my sugar, which was diet, those uh, fake diet beverages like diet Pepsi, you know. And I can tell you this, when you're eating, I was eating healthy, and, and uh, I picked up that diet whatever. And before I was, back in the day when I was just slamming sugar all the time, uh, and I pick up a diet drink, you know what? It tasted horrible. It was like, oh, you know, that's bitter. But when I was on a diet where I had no sugar, man, I started just drinking those things. And because my flesh is my flesh, next thing you know, I'm drinking diet beverages like they're going out of style, right, to appease my flesh and my desire for sugar because I'm a sugar-holic. And, uh, and so, so what ends up happening, I think that stuff messed up my brain, man. I tell you, I started having allergies and all kinds of stuff. I had to knock that stuff off. I think, that's, I think that artificial sweetener is not good for you, by the way. I say all that to just say, <laughs> um, you can tell when you're eating right, and you can tell, your, if you listen to your body, you can tell when you're eating wrong or drinking wrong, right? So I, I did away with that. I, I have not had diet pop since, uh, you know, early 2000s, just because not only does it now taste bad again to me, which is good, I just don't really like the, it's like drink, I call it a chemical drink. I'd sit there and drink that, and I'm like, I'm drinking my chemical drink. It tasted like I was drinking chemicals, because I, I was. And so... Um, my point is, what is my point? I don't really have one. But anyway, the, uh, no, the, when you're eating well, um, you really start to crave things that are better for you than when you're eating bad. Um, but once I get started, like over the holidays, I get started on sugar. Well, guess what I want? I want sugar first, right? But if I take and I fill up on some protein or some carbs or whatever, if you fill up on the things that are going to actually fuel your body, it's amazing how you no longer have room uh, for for the. I don't know about you, but I've I've walked in and thought, man, I want a big old I want a big old chocolate shake, you know. And if I buy that first and drink it, I I would man that I'd be in hog heaven. Then I'd have a sugar coma. But but I won't want whatever meal comes after that. But if I go in and I eat my meal first, and I prioritize the things that are good for me, right? then it's amazing how it's now like, well, I'm just not really that hungry for dessert because I'm satisfied. And really, a lot of times when it comes to our vertical relationship with God and our longing, you see these verses about, you know, I've esteemed thy word more than my necessary food, and I'm panting after the word of God like, like water or like air in my lungs. I need it that much. Well, that's obviously people who realize the value of God's word. So it's not just like, I need a little bit of Bible to get me through the day. These fellows understand, they're dependent on the Word of God. I literally just had a conversation this last week with somebody um, who knows me well. And, uh, and uh, they said, man, um, I almost gave it away who it was, but they could tell I had a lot of things on my mind, and, and they, were asking, they were talking about how I was processing everything. And uh, they're like, uh, and I was saying, yeah, the more pressure I'm under, the more OCD I get, is what we were talking about, how I handle stress, basically. So the more pressure, the more I start to organize, right? The more I put everything in order. And I was, I was telling them that. And they said, you know, um, and I was telling them, I've been like this since I've gotten saved. And it's the Word of God that actually keeps me, you know, 
halfway moderate. If it wasn't for the Word of God, I'd probably have a meltdown. So, uh, and, and, but the cool thing was the person I was talking to, they actually, they actually were able to say, that's what they, they said, I bet, I bet it's because you're in the Bible that you're able to, you know, basically spin so many plates that you spin. And I'm like, that's exactly right. You know, before I was a pastor, I was spinning lots of plates in too. I had lots of pressures, overwhelming. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you guys are, but doesn't life sometimes feel overwhelming at times? There's people waiting on you, people depending on you. I remember in my early 20s, you know, I, every day I'd wake up and I had, there were like construction crews waiting on me to get these drawings done. And, and you know, this has to get to the permit and the permit has to get done so these guys can hit the job. And, you know, and it's like, man, you should pay me more money because I'm a pretty messed up cog in this wheel here. So, you know, and so it was just a lot of pressure. How do you deal with all that, that practical stuff? Well, if you don't, if you're not careful, all of that will distract you from this. But if you do it right you understand that, you know what? God's Word is the most important thing. It is what's going to get me through the day. Like if you're going to go out and dig a ditch today, well, you don't want to wake up and have a Twinkie for breakfast, right? If you're going to go out and dig a ditch, you need some eggs and some bacon and some biscuits and gravy, man. You need some fuel for your body or whatever. You need whatever fuels your body, but you don't need to eat a a Twinkie for breakfast. That's going to burn off before you even get the shovel in your hand, right? You need something that's going to sustain you. And so the Word of God sustains us. That's why these guys like Job and David, they're panting, they're longing after the Word of God because they understand that when they allow God's Word to satisfy them, it gives them a supernatural strength to be able to handle all the other horizontal responsibilities out there. Now, this isn't, this is not really sounding like it's going toward the body life, but it is. So just hang with me for just a moment. Um, and so if we eat the bread and the meat, we'll have, we won't have as much an appetite for the junk food, and we'll have much more of a propensity to, to long after the Word of God. Psalm 138.2 says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness, uh, for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. Now that's a pretty, that's a pretty heavy-duty verse right there. I mean, God says, I have magnified my word above my name. And so God's word is up here. Do we esteem it like that? So God's word, it's so important, it, it keeps us alive. Um, it, it's a priority for the child of God. It, it keeps us alive. In Matthew 4, 4, the Bible says that he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so what will happen in our hearts is, is social media will rob us um, whatever it is, uh, I say so, social media, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, but, but, but there are competing interests for your, 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 uh, your soul. As soon as you open your eyes in the morning, um, and so, or you even go to bed at night, morning and evening, and prioritizing the Word of God is so important for a son of God to, in his vertical relationship, in his fellowship with the Father. It's got to be a high priority because you don't want to let something get between you and your relationship with God the Father. And if we allow um, your favorite news show, and there's nothing wrong. I watch news programs. I don't know about y'all. I kind of, that's my, you know, guilty pleasure. I like to watch news programs. So I know that's kind of boring for many people, but I, I get a kick out of it. But you know what? I can't let that rob me from my relationship with God. Like I'm not that interested as much as I'm interested in whatever uh, is going on. I'm not going to let that rob me from the priority of God's word. Panting, like air, 
like your necessary food, not just like a, a, an hors d'oeuvre or an extra helping. We're talking about the necessary food, the basics to live by. That's the priority of the Word of God. So if you're a son of God, that is, and you are, if you, you all in here, I know looking around, everyone in here professes Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can do your own evaluation, you know, and I would, we live in Laodicea, so, you know, you're not kidding me. I'm the pastor, and I struggle with this. I'm sure you all do, too, of really, really valuing the Word of God where it needs to be. And what gets, you know, what's exciting about the Word of God is the Word of God. The more we get into it, the more we dig into it, the more exciting it becomes, the more appetite grows, the more we see things. We're like, whoa, this is so, so relevant. Wow, you know, and you just got to get in the Word of God, allow the Holy Ghost to guide you and teach you. But it starts with prioritizing the Word of God. And not allowing the little foxes to, to spoil that vine, right? The, the busyness of the day, the pressures of work, uh, the things of life, the next soccer game, the next football game, the next baseball game, the next ministry activity even. I mean, you've got it's, it, it's, you to fight, like, you know, the BC boys. You've got to fight for your right to get in the Word of God. And it's, it's got to be a priority. Of course, those dudes weren't fighting for the right to get in the Word of God. But you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, Jeremiah 15, 16 it says, thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Oh, man, that's a good verse. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. So, so let's do this. If we're a son of God, let's rejoice and have joy in our heart around the word of God. Because being in a Baptist, Bible-believing church like ours, a Bible-believing local New Testament church, we exalt the word of God. The word of God's above his name. Uh, we should long for it. These, are, these can quickly become rules. And I can beat you over the head with how you ought to feel. And the fact is you may not feel that way. But David said, or Jeremiah said, Thy words were found and I did eat them. Thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Why? For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Now, do you know the message that Jeremiah received? <laughs> Go back and... He's called the weeping prophet. The news that he was downloading wasn't really that good of news. It was kind of a bummer summer because Israel's going to go into captivity. Despite him, he gets put in a pit. Uh, you know, he's stuck in a hole. They got to draw him up by his arm armpits and, uh, and drag him up out of there. I mean, the guy goes through quite a bit just to be a prophet. But what he says is, you know what? Man, your words, your words, man, they... They're the joy and rejoicing of my heart. They're the only thing that really makes me happy is your words. Uh, And he says, though, more specifically, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. You know what? You are called a son of God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon you that you should be called the sons of God. You have a unique vertical relationship with God. And his words, the, the, the Father's words, ought to bring a joy to our heart. And so if it's not, then something's wrong. And I personally, it's kind of like a thermometer, you know, on the wall. You know what the temperature of your heart is. You go over, read 1 Corinthians 13 on what charity looks like, uh, and you can kind of tell, uh, or the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. You can kind of look and gauge the, 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 the thermostat on your heart. You know what? It's kind of, it can grow cold. Just these verses that we've listed. You know, why am I not panting after the word? Why am I not longing for it like the air in my lungs? Why am I not uh, wanting it more than my necessary food? Why, more importantly, why is it not the joy of my life? Why am I not rejoicing? Well, one of the reasons is we don't really appreciate 
the relationship that we have with the holy God of heaven as our Father. I mean, come on, man. That is a big, stinking deal. And so this is something that ought to you know, kind of strum the, the chords of our heart uh, because sometimes the world is, you know, uh, or sometimes the word is like green beans. I mean, it really is. I'm in Leviticus right now. So if I was like likening the portion of Bible that I'm reading right now, it's green beans. Although I will tell you, I've been, like today I was reading about, um, reading about, um, um, oh, I was going to say lupus, that's not in the Bible. What's it called? Leprosy, right? Which is sin. And so there's all kinds of analogies, and that's cool. And, and so there's a lot of cool stuff. I am actually gleaning out of Leviticus. I'm not like, going, oh, man. But, but sometimes you get in the Bible, and I'm not like posting a whole bunch of stuff on social media because it would be like three pages long and people would be bored with it. But in my own life, I'm getting some stuff out of it for sure. But it is sort of like green beans, you know. There's portions of the word that are, man, I mean, like, that was some really good, you know, mashed potatoes and gravy. That was some deep fried chicken right there with some good crust on it. I mean, it was just really good eating. And you just want to get more of that. But then there's times you're like, okay, I don't know if I want to read one more chapter on leprosy. I mean, I get it. <laughs> you know, it's nasty. I don't want it. And so, uh, and so, but you know what? Even green beans are good for you. And, and the Word of God should produce a joy and a rejoicing in our hearts. Uh, and so I'm not gonna, I don't want you guys to raise your hands, but just think about that right now in your own life. You know right now where you're sitting and in this group, most of you are disciples and disciplers even, some of you. You know, is that where we're at? And if not, then what's going on? Well, what's going on is our vertical relationship is suffering. The temperature of our hearts turned down. We need to turn that stat up. And and one, and I'll give, give you some practical ways to do that. But I think I'm going to have a little time of just discussion here in a second. So we'll not have a proper relationship with the Father or uh, or with one another which is, this is the thrust, by the way, of where I'm going with this point under point two. We won't, uh, we won't have a proper relationship with the Father or with one another if we don't have a proper relationship with what? The Word of God. Okay, so we can't have this vertical relationship happening with God, and we certainly won't have a good relationship with each other if this thing is not working for us. How many marriages do we see get busted and broken? Right? You can blame whatever you want, but at the end of the day, I can tell you where it boils down to, what I just talked about, the Word of God. Our relationship with God the Father helps our horizontal relationships. So uh, the Word of God strengthens us as food does our body. The Word of God should be balanced. We should read it, study it, and we should share it. So it may not even be an issue of consumption. You know, if you, How do you feel when you eat too much? Oh, right, too much of a good thing, right? What do you got to do? You got to get out. Gotta go for a walk, man. Get that. Get that. Get the body pumping. And sometimes it's not just the consumption of the word, right? It is the getting the word out. It is the execution of the word. So good discipleship. We even say that good discipleship is good. Pat knows execution, but evangelism, right? If you if we're going to be good disciplers, we should be good evangelists. It goes hand in hand. What did Jesus do as his disciples? He sent them out two by two to proclaim the kingdom. Right? That's what we, discipleship is not just about consumption. It's also about getting the word out. So it could be you're taking it in like a big student, you know, nothing wrong with that, but you're getting an egghead, right? And you, and you got to get out and exercise because you're getting too much knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but what edifies? 
charity, right? That's what 1 Corinthians 8 says. So knowledge puffs up, but charity... So there has to be an exercising element to all of this knowledge, right? The re, David and Job and, and, uh, and those guys that we were reading about earlier, those dudes used the Word of God. They weren't just longing after God's Word because they had a casual relationship. I mean, like David's like, if this thing don't work for me, I'm going to get eaten by a lion or a bear or a Philistine or, you know, whatever, or, or my own flesh is going to eat me up and I'm going to commit adultery with Bathsheba. Oh, yeah, that did happen. And so, you know, uh, so the Word of God has to work. There has to be a working out of what we're learning or what's going to happen is, uh, yeah, it'll get kind of old and stale because we're not exercising. So our three goals, edify, exercise, engage. Edify is to build people up. Exercise is to work people out. So that what is that for? So we can engage in the big mission of accomplishing the mission of God and getting the gospel where it needs to go. And so, um, and so some of the heavy lifting we do within the ministry context of the church is actually preparation for bigger battles that we'll fight when we send out missionaries, church planners, and all of those things. And so it's exciting to be part of what God's doing, but there's a reason the Word of God is precious to us in the sense of it's like our necessary food, it's like the water that we need to have to drink, it's like the air in our lungs. I mean, all those analogies, it's the joy of our heart. Well, why? Because we're using it. You collect a bunch of data in your head, and it just you know what it becomes? It becomes data. More information. I know this. I know that. I know this. I, okay. Well, if you're in that point, then let me. Then you need to do a different assessment. Not how much do you know. It's how much are you are you executing what you do know. And that that'll give you a whole another evaluation. Which, by the way, one of the reasons I'm a pastor is that very issue. I sat in an environment like our church has, just soaking it up, soaking it up. And man, the Holy Spirit of God says, I wasn't happy if I wasn't doing it, right? You have to go out and execute on what you're learning. So fauntion at the bit to get out and, and do what God has saved us to do. All right, so we should listen, read, meditate upon God's words. What are some ways that you can maintain a proper relationship with God's word? I mean, just practically. Let me take this off of here. And... Amy, can you run, you, will you want to run this for me? She's like... I have to submit. I'm in public. <laughs> no, I know. Are you feeling okay? Are you? I didn't think about that. Are you? Are you still? I'm not feverish. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I don't want her to be contagious in the wrong way. So this is an open forum, and I have Vanna running the the mic. So uh, if there's anybody, so give me give me your ideas on uh, and uh, and I'm not going to say you're wrong, but. Like in your life, how do you, here's the question on the table, what are some ways you can maintain proper relationship with God's Word? I mean, practically, what do you do? Anybody? She's over there. Uh, Candace. Oh, she's going to meet you midway. How Philadelphian. <laughs> okay, this kind of goes with the whole technology as a, Hindrance. Uh-huh. Um, I have the Bible app on my phone. Every day it gives you a Bible verse of the day. So instead of rolling over, grabbing my phone when my alarm goes off and on Facebook, the first thing I do is I open up that app and I read the verse of the day and I meditate on it and pray on it. Yeah, that's good. How many? I'm just curious. How many of you use a digital Bible for your devotions? Yeah, there was a time I probably would have been down on that, but I do it too. And one of the reasons I do it. Um, um, I'm with you, Candace. It's the first thing I do. I don't do anything else. Uh, it can be dangerous, yeah, because you can go off to social media land. So don't do it. 
I agree with you 100%. But one of the reasons I, I do that is I have a lot of notes. Even in the, this is my preaching Bible, and then i got a study Bible. i got so many notes in here. I've found that for devotional reading, I like a fresh, um, a, a non-noted, just a fresh look at the Word of God without all, because I'll distract my own self with, with notes, and I'll get off on side studies, and, and I just want to hear what God's telling me that day. So that's a good, that's a good thing. Anybody else? You know, what is it that just practically that you do to maintain a proper relationship with the Word of God every day? I'm a scheduler, so oh. uh, I schedule time. And so when I'm on schedule, my pace is good and it's smooth and I move right along until something or someone steps in and messes with my schedule. And then it, sometimes it's hard for me to reconnect and I've lost the moment. I've lost are you, my time. Are you kind of hard on yourself when you're off schedule? Um, yes. I got some advice for that. Um, I'm like you. So I'm a scheduler, and I'm and I'm on a regiment. Um, and if I miss my regiment, I kind of get torqued about it because I need it. Like it's like I gotta have this, or I'm gonna be a mess today. I don't feel good about my day if I'm not in the Word. And I'll, Amy's even a few times. She's a few times said, Brian, uh, are you in the Word? You know, because she could tell. Like he's stinking this place up. He needs a bath. And so what I've learned, what I do, just a little advice for that because you and I, I think, are a lot alike in that regard, is I have an alternate plan for when I'm thrown off my course so I don't have a meltdown. And uh, for me, it's Proverbs. Proverbs is my default. I'm not an everyday Proverbs reader. I used to be. Now I'm a, if, I have a, if I'm thrown off my schedule, uh, I personally uh, will pick up Proverbs so, because I can get a proverb. I can, I, can almost, I can get a good devotional thought out of just like literally seconds in Proverbs. I just love Proverbs. So i got a rich spot. So that's that's what for those of you guys that are kind of regimented like me and Pam and you're kind of your days all messed up if you don't have that quality time that you really know you need. Uh, I recommend finding a high impact like a high protein. It's like a protein bar, right? Place in the Word of God so you know even if you're just like five minutes in the bathroom, you know <laughs> what is this, you know? And you're gonna and God will give you something and clutch onto that. So that's good. Anybody else? That's really good, Pam. <clears throat> Pam and you, I have to read the word every day, and that's a well. It's not the first thing because I got go get my make my coffee, make my bed, and get dressed, and then I sit down and start reading and have my devotional time. And if I don't do that, I mean, I can't think of when I have not done that, except that you know it's horrible. The day is terrible if you don't do that. If you don't have God first in your life. If you really do not read the Word of God, and I have read the Word, the Bible through ever since 1988, every year since then, except for one year I did not do it, but I've read it every year. Oh, that's so and good. And this year I'm starting to read a different way of going through the Bible because I was sort of tired of the same old thing. Right. Yep. And so I'm doing it differently, but I'm reading it. That's so And good. I know that I need it. Amen. That's a pretty good pace. At one, uh, so you're you're digesting several chapters a day to get through it in a year. Devotionals too that I read. I have devotionals, different devotionals, like three different. I've got the Call to Glory. I read through that. I have um, another two. I have another three that I do. I've got my 
word, and then the devotionals also. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I haven't. I, I'm not a big devotional guy. Not just not. The, I like. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's kind of a. I know there's a lot of folks in at Heartland here that love to read the Call to Glory and different devotionals, which are good things to do. They also have them on. Uh, on uh, there's some good ones in. Um, in one, uh, what's that? Bible app. U version. Yeah, they have some good ones as well. So that's good. Thank you, Sharon. And I'm I'm with you. I've I don't do it every year. I get through the Bible every two years. That's I'm a slower reader than you, but I also take a lot of side notes and and uh, do a lot of devotional. I can spend. It doesn't matter. I don't want to get into what I do completely. So, but um, what what uh, any other good uh, good thoughts? How you guys approach the Word of God and and maintain a proper relationship with the Word of God? Yes, ma'am. After um, in the kids eat breakfast. We'll read after stuff. Um, it makes the day go smooth. Can you move that down closer? I don't know. Hi. It's going in and out for some reason. You got it close you to your me? mouth. I don't know what the problem is, but anyway. Sorry. Go Just ahead. Me? Yeah. No. It's your aura. I don't <laughs> No, but me and the kids will read in the Bible and it makes our day go better, our moods are better. I'm not grumpy with them ready and prepped for the day to kind of squirrel them out too. Mm-hmm. That helps. Amen. It does. I, I, that's a good word. So you, your, your, your Bible reading affects the kiddos. So you're, you're overflowing onto the kids. That's a great thing. Did the kids ever know, say, Hey mom, we missed the Bible reading. You need to get in there. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, well, I won't get into that. Anyone else? Uh, Pat, uh, I I feel the same way that if I don't get in the if I don't get in the word the first thing when I get up or if I get distracted or somebody calls or mm. you know, something veers me off course early then it's hard to get back and so yeah I'm like you either get into the Psalms or the Proverbs uh, get some nuggets from that I always get something from the Psalms. Yeah. Are any of you guys exercisers? You're an exerciser. Do you do anything while you're exercising? Um, yeah, I, I pray. Pray? That's good. I was I doing, I, did a, I was doing 10 chapters. When I'd walk, I would do 10 chapters. I haven't done this in a few years, so I'll just be transparent. I'm not doing this right now. But there was a season when I was doing 10 chapters audibly as well. I do After my daily reading, then I would go for a walk, and I would do no, no less than 10 chapters of Psalms. Which if you work through that 10 chapters a day, you'll get through it in a month, I think is how I had it planned out. And, uh, and then that was, that was really edifying. I enjoyed that, going through Psalms. That was a few years ago, about four or five years ago. So, but uh, yeah, that's good. One other thing that I was saying, I was just talking to Brian about it. So, so I think all of us probably, that's the first thing. We yeah. So, um, but one of the things I was sharing with Brian uh, was that the other thing that I don't feel right when I wake up and when I sleep is if I don't get into the word before I go to bed. Mm. So I'm glad you said that. I was actually going to ask about that in a second. So, so you read in the night too? Well, not all the time. Yeah. But I've been trying to do that. I have too because so, Pastor Rajan challenged us when he was here last time. Um, and uh, I almost wish I wouldn't have had a translator because he was 
better without one. But that was his, Pastor Rajan from Nepal, Kathmandu, challenged our whole church. Uh, he did a wonderful message on this principle, the word first, the word first, the word first. And then he kind of come around with the left hook and a jab and punched us in the face at the end and said, oh, and by the way, not just the morning, but evening, like morning and evening. And uh, I, I, took, I listened to what he said. I've been convicted about that because I struggle. I'm your pastor, I'll just be, but I'm being transparent. I struggle with the evening. Uh, I'm, I'm a lot more of an early get up and get it. But sometimes it, you know, I'm just, who knows what you got with me at night. I could be passing out, you know, maybe let's watch a, let's watch something on TV. I'm over there snoring or something, you know, so, or I'm working all night long, like last night, you know, working on something for HBI or something. So, I mean, sometimes, of course, that's been in the word, I guess, but it's not the same as a devotional. Uh, that's kind of workish. Uh, it's not, it's, it's what I, it's different than devotional time. And amen, uh, I think it's super good. I don't want to ask for a show of hands, but is there anybody else that is a big morning and evening? Uh, are you an evening? The rest of the read eight to nine. Mm. Yeah, Alexa, do a digital read. Yeah, that's really good. Put that in your mind last thing before you go to sleep. Amen. I was I was dreaming Mary. I got to do a marriage get to do. I get to do a marriage conference in March up in Pennsylvania. Last night I was dreaming about sermon outlines. So it was kind of kind of kind of like I had the word in my mind. I don't know. I woke up going, man. I don't think I studied that. I think I, that was fresh. I need to write that down. But anyway, all right. Okay. Anybody that's like I noticed Tony Godfrey is he is big time open book. No digital. Anybody like committed to Bible? No digital. Angela. Okay, yeah, I, I'm all for that. So I will tell you, like, I am not against uh, just if you're like if you're like hardcore, stay away from the digital stuff. I'm cool with that too. Um, I I I have been. I'm I'm good with that. I I've done that a lot. I mean, most of my Christian life, I've only in the morning uh, used my Bible. But the last several years, I've. Uh, I gave you the reasons why I like the digital, but uh, yeah, Jesse. Oh, Leela. Hey, Leela. Oh, that's beautiful, Leela. That's awesome. So two hours in the morning. It doesn't take long, does it, to to really to get lost in the Word if you have the time, right? I know. I have a little more, because now I have a little more leisure now that the kids are not little kids and we're not trying to get them off to school while Amy's driving the bus. So I know it is pressing sometimes in the morning, but now that I, our seasons have changed, I got a little bit more time uh, to just, I, I call it uh, swim around. I love swimming around in the world, just kind of lingering. Uh, man, two hours is, it goes quick. You can just lose, you could lose lots of time. That's great that you got two hours, Leela. That's wonderful. Well, good. We've talked about uh, daily devotional plans. Sometimes, um, I know Steve is good about getting a regimented reading plan. Some people have a, de- a designated devotional plan. Uh, we've talked about listening uh, to, and another good thing to do is listen listen to sermons and books. Like if you're working throughout the day and you got the kind of job where you can do it, you know, man, plug in a sermon or plug in some things that you can kind of keep your mind on, on the things above. Uh, one of the things that we haven't really mentioned and I didn't get into is like writing out. Uh, one of the things I started early on, as in my early, I, was, I may have been about 19 when we first got married. Um, I used to just read. And then when I was about 19 or so, I just started, it was when I was starting back through Genesis. 
And I still got the notebook at home where I just, that's when I, I started writing. And uh, I'm big on, uh, that's why you, got, you see devotions. I write every day almost, even if nobody sees it, I write. I always like to write what God is telling me, what I'm learning. Uh, even if it's kind of silly and stupid, you, don't, you know, this stuff isn't for everybody. It's for you and the Lord, you know. And so I'm a big fan of, of not just reading and praying. Obviously, we should do that. But I'm a, personally, I'm, I'm committed to writing. Uh, because I process things as I write. And so it's a good way for me personally to process things. Uh, I haven't heard anyone talk about memory. How many of your Bible scripture memorizers? Jamie D and Elizabeth and Pat. Yeah, that's we kind of that's another great thing to do is, is key on verses and find a verse and, mem- and start working the scripture. And uh, I got a terrible memory. So the verses you hear me quoting are just literally the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm not, I don't really work a lot of Bible. I never have worked a lot of Bible memorization. But I'm all about doing that. You know, I have memorized First Timothy and stuff like that, but it's hard for me to do that. Um, it's not fun either for me because it is such a chore, the way my mind works. Um, I don't understand it, but it, it just is hard. But I really appreciate, like Jamie, I know is a Bible memorizer. Some of you guys have an If you have an aptitude for memorization, my son is like that. I mean, he has no excuse. That dude can memorize anything. Um, it's ridiculous. So people like that, man, you should memorize the whole Bible. I mean, it's crazy. If you have that kind of aptitude, get after it. Because some of us just are just stinking envious. I will say, though, the more you work on memorization, the more your mind gets trained to it, too. So you do need to be uh, intentional about it. Uh, and we didn't talk a lot about studying either. You know, sometimes studying is hard. That's a different... You, you usually are going to study for a devotion or a teaching of occasion. Um, but reading and doing devotional time isn't usually, doesn't, it's not always a study time. Sometimes it, it breaks into one. So, um, how, anyone here sing scripture? Oh, wow. That's cool. We got one. You don't have to be ashamed of it. That's so biblical. That's what David did. That's a great way talking about memorization is singing the scripture. When Amy and I were uh, junior high counselors, we had a gifted uh, leader, uh, Daryl, Daryl Basham, and he's just, he'd get up there and strum on his guitar, and he'd create songs off his guitar. I remember, Blessed is the Undefiled in the way. I got all kinds of scripture memorized just because of the songs he wrote. You put, a, put some rhythm to it, now I got it, right? And so, man, if you're a singer, that's wonderful. That's a great way to, to engage with God, to meditate upon the Word, to memorize the Word of God, to prioritize the Word of God. So I say all that. You know, we're talking about our relationship with the Son, and the point is vertical, and I've taken a voluminous amount of time to talk about that. We'll move on here, but... Um, it gets to point three, <laughs> because relationship to God, um, uh, the Holy Spirit, is important, right? So we have <clears throat> the Father, um, <clears throat> we have a relation to God, the Father, and um, as a son, and then we've talked about that last week, and then we've talked for two weeks now about that vertical relationship, and now, you know, there's also an element of worship, right? Our worship of God is made possible by the indwelling Holy Spirit, right? And so, uh, who intercedes and advocates and advocates for us? And so, He teaches us all things whatsoever the Word of God says to us. We know that from John chapter fourteen and verse twenty-six. I think many of it, many of us are familiar with that. That uh, as He's promising the Holy Ghost, He says, "But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance." you know, whatsoever I have said unto you. So for those of you that are scared of Bible memorization, 
just realize there is a supernatural element to this. Putting the, the word in, God knows how to draw it out. How many of you have had an experience like that? Like you're talking in a conversation and all of a sudden verses, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it just happens, right? That's the Holy Ghost. I mean, we're not charismatics around here, but I'm just telling you, that's, that happens all the time, right? Verses just come flying. If you're putting it in, the Holy Ghost will use it and bring it out. It has nothing to do with your, your ability, uh, you know, in a human level to memorize anything. That is the Holy Spirit of God supernaturally using His words to accomplish His mission and His power. Especially, and you'll notice it, if you're doing something for Him, whether it's, it's uh, witnessing to somebody at work, or uh, teaching a class back here with the children, or doing a devotion at volleyball, or when we have soccer or something. You, you put yourself in play for God to be used of God, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, the, those words will start coming, if you're walking in the Spirit. And uh, it's pretty awesome. And so the indwelling Holy Ghost allows for that, um, intercedes, as we've already talked about very you know a lot, uh, Romans eight twenty six says, The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. So we have weaknesses, and God helps us with that. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So if we're not groaning, He's groaning for us, right? And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So He transcends our frail and faulty humanity and allows us to intermeddle with divinity. I mean, it's pretty powerful when you start thinking about uh, the, how the Holy Spirit helps us worship. How he, and when I think of worship, I'm talking you know, biblical worship. We're not just talking about getting up and strumming a song and singing, although there's nothing wrong with that. We're talking about the capacity uh, to give our life to Christ at a level that, that uh, really glorifies Him. Well, the Holy Ghost helps us with that, and, and it helps our infirmities and our weaknesses. And, and, uh, and uh, Romans 8, 26 and 7 is very clear with that. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse or 2 verses 12 through 13 the Bible says now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So without the spirit of God we don't even know what God's given us. We don't even know these things. Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth but which the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So what we know of God, once again, comes from the Word of God, and, and it is revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And so uh, we compare spiritual things with spiritual things, and God reveals to us through His Spirit the things that are freely given to us. Which, by the way, in Ephesians, what's been freely given to us? If you go back to Ephesians chapter 1, you're going to find all things. All things. It's, it's quite a promise uh, because, well, He's the God of all things. I'm going to go. I'm going to go on a little detour. It's not in our notes, but um, where's that verse at? I shouldn't go a detour. But yeah, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Thank you, Ron. That's it. That's what I was looking for. So we got all that. Okay. So let's uh, move. Let me move along here. Um, so our relationship with the Spirit impacts our relationship with the Father and the body of Christ, which is getting us back on the road to what we're talking about tonight. So when we grieve the Spirit of God, disobeying God's clear command, it impacts our relationship with the Father, the Son, and the brethren, right, the church body. And so we're not to grieve, right, the Holy Spirit of God, and we, but we do, so we shouldn't, right? That's a decision we make. 
Um, so let me ask you, what types of things grieve uh, the Holy Spirit of God? You guys got any thoughts on that? Yeah, how do we quench it? What would quench the Spirit, Ron? Yeah, disobedience. Yeah, that's a simple. Impure thoughts, more practically. That's something we all got to wrestle because today you're bombarded with impure thoughts. I mean, you're just rolling along and they'll slide the impure thoughts in on you. And I'm not talking about really nasty thoughts necessarily, but I'm just talking about just, just little twists on reality. I saw something today that was like that. It was like totally inappropriate. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, oh, it was, it was a story about a, a dead, uh, someone that was murdered, terrible situation. And it was on coming through social media, but the people that were talking about it started making light of it, making jokes about it. It's just terribly, just like inappropriate. I'm like, that's not funny. We're talking about a real murder case, and they're making fun of the way the guy hid the body and all. It's just, it's just people are perverse. I'm just like, man, that that is wrong. But anyway, it doesn't take much, is what I'm saying. And and so things can get our minds off. And and uh, and what they were saying, by the way, was funny but it really wasn't appropriate. You know what I'm saying? So you ever, you ever find it? Because of the Word of God is coursing through me, and I'm walking in the Spirit, there's probably other times when it probably would, I would have just not thought anything about it, and I'd have been laughing, because what they said was funny. But as I'm thinking about it, this was like a contemporary news story. This isn't like something that happened 10 years ago. This has happened like recently. Some family's grieving in Texas or wherever, and these people are making fun of... It's just weird. I'm like, that's perverse. I turn, I'm like, turn that off. I don't want to hear that. It just grieved my spirit, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not always that in tune with the spirit. And I know it sounds, oh, you're a square, man. Well, maybe I am. But you've got to be sensitive. The Holy Ghost just wasn't down with that today. You know? and, uh, and so I wasn't either. I'm like, turn the channel. But there's stuff, impure thoughts, it's not always just this wicked, gnarly stuff. It could be all kinds of stuff just emanating through the airwaves. And, uh, and so, um, so, yeah, that's, that's really good. And disobedience, that's one of the things I had listed here. What's that? Busyness. That's a good one. Yeah. It, Paul warns about being a busy body, doesn't he? You can get busy and get into some real problems. As a matter of fact, the example Paul gives is that busy bodies can end up having busy lips, right? Busy bodies get busy about spreading gossip. I'm not saying that, but that's what happens. That's what Paul says happens. So, uh, you know, it's not what I said. All right. Anyone else? Yeah, if you want to get specific with that, right, we could, you know, if you want to get real specific, then the works of the flesh, you know. Yeah, exactly. Idolatry, witchcraft, well, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, I mean, and such like, right? Envyings, drunkenness, murders, revelings, all that kind of stuff. Which, by the way, one of the things I got to watch um, um, is just, you know, what we call entertainment doesn't always edify, you know. So you got to watch that stuff. What about pride? And that's a big one. You know, that'll that will definitely um, grieve the spirit of God. And all the and I, I agree with Ron. Everything that we mentioned there in Galatians five, sin in general. All right, so we should not quench the Holy Ghost, of course. The Bible actually commands us in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. 
not to quench, oh, looky there, not to quench the Holy Ghost. Where am I at? Did I already have that verse? Oh, yeah. No, I, I didn't give you guys 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. It says, quench not the Spirit. Um, so what, you know, when you think about, we kind of are talking about sins of commission that grieve the Spirit. What about sins of omission that quench the Spirit? What are some things that you can think of that would quench the Spirit and, and have a little breach in your vertical relationship with God that affects others? Yeah, kind of digging our heels in on some area of obedience. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, not not uh, steaming it. Say that last part. Yeah, not actually getting into it. Yeah, that's good. That's somebody over here. Yeah. How how many do you guys ever struggle with witnessing? I mean, do you ever notice how that quenches the spirit? It's like a wall. So, like, like you want to be engaged, like in a in a in a, and, and, you know, God's gracious, but He does need us to get the word out. And especially, you ever have those opportunities where you know, like you know, like you know, but you don't go like you're supposed to go, right? And you quench the spirit. It's just like, oh, it's just painful, you know. Man, look for those opportunities and go, go through, press through that fear. And uh, or that apathy or whatever it is, and uh, go through that open door. Go by faith. For me, that's probably one of the big. You know, it doesn't have to just be that. Sometimes it can be self-will, right? Being self-willed and not being hospitable. So God gives us that we have this vertical relationship, but oftentimes our joy comes from working it out in a horizontal way, not just filling our tank for the Word of God, but it's actually getting that out the way God wants it to. Um, and sometimes you got to push through your own flesh. Like, I guarantee you, if you're like a Sunday school on Sunday morning, we love teaching the kids, but there's mornings you'd rather sleep in, right? So you got to push through that. But once you, how many of you had the experience? Once you do it, wow, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. The more you're in ministry, the more you will know that. Like, you can literally, you can tell. It's like, okay, this is going to be a great day because everything is in the way, and I don't even feel like it, but I'm going by faith. And man, as soon as you draw, you step into that zone, man, and uh, and get things going, then the Holy Ghost shows up, and the Word of God shows up, and next thing you're hitting on all eight cylinders, and you just know like you know that you know, man, this is the sweet spot. I'm glad I pressed through. Am I making sense to y'all? I think most of us in here probably have had those experiences, and if you haven't yet, maybe you haven't grown to that point. Look forward to that. So I remember on the, when I was on the circuit many years ago, I'd have the most funkiest emotional like depression things i mean i didn't know what was going on i'd be especially going out to ellis kansas and different places and i would get out there and it was like it just it's like a cold dreary night man it's just every it was just like the the fog of darkness would come upon me and i'd be questioning whether i should be preaching if what i've got's good enough i'd have all these doubts and thoughts and you know just just not you ever just not feel good about what you're doing and you know you're there to do you're there to be the guy you know well, I learned what that, you know what that was? It's called spiritual warfare. <laughs> so God was, he was training me. He's like, get used to this, son, because this is how it is. And so I got to learn, you know, how I got through that is I started praying. It really helped my prayer life. Because it, it's not enough to know the Bible. You know, you got to apply it, right? So I had many a nights out in Ellis in a hotel room just praying, oh, God, help, you know. 
Lord, help. Is there any sin in my life? Is there anything hindering me? Is there any? And then I started realizing that, yeah, that all needs to get done. But you're also, the more you mature, the more you realize, oh, whoa, I'm, I'm in a bad, there's some, there's, there's a, there's like a ball's got to go forward. It's like a football game, you know, and it doesn't really matter how you feel about it. You got to be ready for the game. And it's not how you feel. It is, are you ready to deliver the ball? You know, are you ready to bring what needs to be brought? And so in time, God gave me grace and started to help me understand what was happening. And so I could press through that. So then I got to, I'd get out there and I'd be like, whoa, here comes the darkness. You know, and like I'm schizophrenic or something. You know? <laughs> it's like, here comes the darkness. We're going to have a good day tomorrow. And, uh, and sure enough, I mean, time after time, I, you, after you got done preaching, someone gets saved. Uh, you deal with some sin issue in the church. There's something going on. You know, the Word of God is, is just the right thing at the right time. You know, like, okay, I get this. This is spiritual warfare. Aha. And so, uh, and so you know, uh, these are things that as you learn to worship God and you're in the Word of God, um, you know, you, you don't want to grieve the Spirit. You don't want to quench the Spirit. And you want to deliver the Word of God the way God has given it to you. And you don't have to be a pastor for this to happen. I mean, this is, you're teaching your kids across the table in the morning. That's, it's all part of that. And there's a reason there's disruptions, and there's reasons that, you know, you're in a spiritual war. So the Spirit of God is critical to our unity in the body, which is ultimately what we're talking about here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 there tells us that we've all been made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many, right? So by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles. And so God wants us to have unity. It's critical uh, to our unity in the body. So... um, uh, so Ephesians 2.18 says, for, though, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And then it says in Ephesians 4.3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. And so um, there's three important aspects to worship. And, um, and this is, I want to hit these before we close tonight. And that, the first one is simply prayer. I just was talking about that. Uh, for for relational health in the spirit, right, there's these priorities that we really need to have. And the first one is prayer, uh, purpose, purposeful, patient, powerful prayer life. Right, that is so important. And so, First Thessalonians five seventeen. I know you know these verses, right? Pray without ceasing. You know, make prayer a priority. You're like, man, I'm soaking up the Bible and it's kind of dry. Well, how's your prayer life? You know. Maybe you don't need to be witnessing. Maybe you need to be praying. I'll guarantee you, you start reading and praying that you will be witnessing. God's going to bring the opportunities. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Notice that is not a suggestion, right? That's, that's, Paul is asking the saints to do that for him, praying always, every way you know how, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. A supplication is asking for supply, right? You're beseeching God for something in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So you're not inwardly focused. You're asking God to deliver the supplies for the need, right? So a lot of times we get kind of inverted eyeballs in our prayer life, but there does need to probably, even on Sunday night, there probably needs to be more intentional Focus. I like what like Midtown on Tuesday nights, they focus a lot on missions praying. So it's not just about what God's doing at their church. It's about what God's doing in Zambia, what God's doing in India. Like tonight, I like 
we have 15 things about what's going on here, which is good. But there's also saints in India we need to be praying for tonight. We need to be praying that God supplies the need for these saints, even if you've never met them. All right, that's the kind of praying we're talking about in Ephesians 6. We're asking God to supply the need. And we've got, perse- we got to persevere in prayer um, and, 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 uh, and have our eyes open. I get a, I get a voice of the martyrs. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, that'll just set your heart right. You read that, and you're like, whew. And then you get guys texting you real videos of people getting beat. I mean, you got all these things going on. It, it kind of puts everything into perspective. And there, I can't get on a plane and do anything about it. Sending money is not the answer necessarily. What do you got to do? God's given you that information so you can pray. And so make sure you're praying, you're looking out for your brothers. That's a good horizontal result of a vertical relationship with God. That, all that intercessory work that we're talking about, all that vertical connectivity, I, I hope you all felt really important as we talked about that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about us getting out here horizontally and realizing there's needs around us, and you are the connecting point. That's what body life's all about. It's about knowing a sister or a brother or, or whatever is hurting. And, 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 man, you guys do a good job on that, by the way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just impressed with you all. Uh, Romans 12, you guys know Romans 12, verses uh, 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Notice how prayer is such an important part of that. So when things are going on in people's lives, there's, there's tribulation, there's uh, all kinds of things. Rejoicing in hope, right? That, that's also having a positive Encouraging outlook, being patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Um, you know, you don't. There, you, we got to be willing to pray, and be, have, you know, if you're not right with God, you don't want to pray. Is that is, am I the only person that's like that? Yeah, I don't really get into praying if my heart's not right, if my ther- thermostat's turned down to 35 degrees. But when I'm ter- I'm cooking at 77 degrees in my heart, man, I tell you what, something's up. I'm praying. You don't have to ask me. I'm talking to God about it, right? Just walking and talking. That's what it's all about. Colossians 4, uh, 2 and 3. Continuing in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, which I am also in bonds, right? So Paul was asking for prayer. James five sixteen. you guys know this verse says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Now, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What are, you, what are some things you can do at Heartland to improve your prayer life? Yeah, Jesse? Join a prayer team. Has that improved your prayer life? It has? Good. There's something about being intentional. There's something about praying with a group. Anything else? Pam says, come on Sunday night, 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 night. <laughs> I will tell you, and I'm not the only one that says that Sunday night's the best service in the house. I, 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 we enjoy Sunday night. We do some preaching, we do some praying, and uh, it's, and actually, if you want a little bit more unplugged, Brian, that's the place to come, because you're not, I got to, even now I'm filtering stuff, I'm a lot more unfiltered on Sunday night, so... But that's not about me. I mean, the point is, it really is a time of communion. You know, we commune at a different level on Sunday night. It's a lot more intimate in every way. It's, it's a good time. So if you really need to be encouraged in prayer, um, it's not long. We get it in in an hour, roughly, and, uh, and, and, it, and we're done. It's a good time. 
All right. That's good. Anything else? How many of you? Yeah. Do you have the mic? Don't boast. Hang on just a second, Sharon, because uh, Leela won't be able to hear you if we don't if we don't get a mic on you. And I want Leela or whoever else is listening. Leela, if you're still with us, you're a trooper. Thanks for hanging. Okay. When like when Sonia was first sick and everything wasn't able to come, I would call her every night and we would chat away, and then we would always end with prayer. Hmm. The same thing with Bobby. Bobby Blaine, we would talk, and then I say, okay, it's time to pray. And so I would pray. And then I got in the habit of not doing it as often as I used to do it. And this week, I think it was, that I started up again. And I thought, oh, wow, I have missed so much by not talking to them and praying with them. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's another thing we can do. You know the needs of somebody. You can call them and talk to them, and you can end with prayer, or you can even begin with prayer. I've done that with Jan Smith and with others. And, e- and even when, you know, the prayer, the emergency prayer comes to me, if, if I feel, if the Spirit leads me, I will pray with that person over that prayer request before I send it out to the other prayers. But, I mean, to me, prayer is just a part of life. And, like, on the way when I'm subbing, I used to just have on bought radio, but I've started leaving the house, turning everything off and praying to the Lord and saying, okay, Lord, bless me today. Bless the students I'm with. May they be blessed by me. May I bless you. May you bless me. And then I go through the prayer list of people who need prayer. Mm. But I mean, I just use that time to pray. And so I think we can use any time in our lives like washing dishes, doing anything, mm. and whatever men do, you know, to have routine. We don't do something anything. Something routine. You know, <laughs> you can do it. You can just, you can use any time because the Lord, the Spirit's going to tell you, you know, you need to pray for this. You need to pray for that. And you just give it to the Lord and you just talk to him. And it's really just chatting with him. It's not a formal, formal prayer. It's just ta- talking to the Lord. It is. Amen. Okay. That's it. Well, Sharon, I just I just pray. That I know you don't want to boast, but I think the Lord, I think that's a, what you said is of the Lord because we need to hear that because um, it is it is folks, and you're you're not the only one, but it is folks that are serious about prayer like that. It's a lifestyle. That's how the ball gets advanced, so to speak, in the kingdom of God. It's not all the show. It's not all the, I mean, you need to do all the stuff. You know, you got to have the service and you got to do all the stuff. But ultimately, what makes the stuff work is, is that, is praying. And it's often the people you don't even know that are advancing the ball. So amen to that. Yes, Jesse. Who? Oh, Bobby. Yeah, Bobby, she's a prayer warrior. She's got the prayer wall. And uh, she advances the ball. I think, I, I want to say this, since this is just kind of an appropriate time, I think this church in large part has, especially in its early days, um, and even lately, but I mean, we have been established by praying, praying widows. And I don't think I will even appreciate the impact of those praying widows until I get to heaven and look back 
and the Phyllis Riddles and the and the Radine Reeses and the Phyllis these I I remember talking with um um uh Sylvia Ketcher and some of those other widows and they're like, Well, Brian, I can't do anything. I can't do anything and they all wanted to do something. They want to do I'm like, hey, you're doing something. I'm in it. I mean, you're praying. Just keep praying. And I think those prayers, I think God answered those prayers. Uh, those saints, those dear, those dear saints, when we started this church, we had a whole posse of, of praying widows. And Ruthie Reeves would get them together. She was actually the young lady at the time. And she'd get them all gathered up and have prayer meetings and stuff. And man, I tell you guys, there's a lot, there's a lot to this, this, first, this point on praying. So thank you. Anyone else? And thank you, Bobby. Well, guys, I hope you're encouraged in prayer. Um, and it is a lifestyle, like she was saying. Man, praise the Lord. One of the things, how many of you guys head up a ministry in here? Yeah, you do, Pat. If you head up a ministry, uh, you need to be praying with your people. It doesn't have to be like all the time, but you need to be praying with the people you serve with. And I want to amen what she said about the phone. Phone prayers are good. I mean, they really are. I, I do that all the time with people, People, and it's encouraging to pray with people on the phone. Somebody's going through a difficult season, you know. It's good to call them and talk to them, but, man, it is good to end in prayer. Anybody have a prayer calendar? I think Bobby, she did if she doesn't now. I know she's going through rehab, but a prayer calendar is a good thing to have. Now, if you get a lot of prayer, just, just an encouraging word here, I have to order my prayer life because I can't do it all every day. Tomorrow's the day I pray for the church body. Um, but so each day I got an emphasis and I don't always do it like super regimented. Some days I do, uh, with the church body, I try to be regimented, but, um, so Mondays are ministry. I pray for ministries like generically, like, um, this ministry, that ministry, this ministry, I'm not, I'm talking about ministries of Heartland. Uh, and so if you're in a ministry, I'm praying over that. Um, and then Tuesdays, I kind of emphasize, um, uh, the local church. Or I mean the lost world, I'm sorry. The local, the lost world is on Tuesdays. And I just think of, that one is really my, my, my least organized, you know, just like, oh, the lady that lives now, down the street or, you know, a family member or whatever. And uh, just kind of what's on my heart in regard to lost people. And I pray for that. And sometimes I'll pray more for the world. Uh, and then Wednesdays, uh, Wednesdays um, is is world uh, missions. I mean, that's that's when I want to pray for Doug Howie and and I take some time and pray for, you know, the, all those prayer teams that we got and go down the list and, and just lift them up. Uh, I don't know always as faithful at that as I should, but I have to be that. That's how I have to regiment my life. I kind of have to order it. Uh, every day has got a different emphasis for prayer. And then Thursday is the local church. And if you try to, we got 217 members, I believe now, as of Elizabeth coming on this week. So this Sunday, Elizabeth, this Sunday. Sorry, we've had confusion on it. Um, but... Um, you know, uh, that's that's a lot. That's adults, not counting children. So when you add the kiddos, there's a, there's about 50 more. So 200, we got about 250, what is that, 65 or so. So if you think praying's easy, just get out our prayer, just get out our membership list and pray over every. Get open Shelby up and just start working down through that list. You will get exhausted uh, if you're just praying about what you know about folk and uh, and uh, praying for them. So. Uh, Friday is friends and family. I pray for friends and family on Friday. And then Saturday is state and local, uh, national government, all that stuff I watch in the news. I've got a, I got a time to just pray for kings and all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. I thank God for Bob Houston. When they put the chip and seal out here, that was an answer to prayer. I was promised chip and seal 
in 2002 by a politician, and it didn't show up until 2022. So praise God. Um, uh, and so that was an answer to prayer. So, um, so I pray for that kind of stuff on Saturday. Uh, I used to pray for Vicki Hartzler a lot. Um, she's, she was a wonderful person um, and a saint, uh, not a lot of those folks in government. So I really like to pray for the Christians that I know of that are in government and stuff like that on Saturday. Sundays I pray for pastors. So on Sunday morning, uh, one of the things that is good for me to train my mind off of all the other stuff I've been prepping to preach on, I'll pray for Mike Blake and Sam Miles and Brad McGuire and Tony Godfrey. And sometimes we get little text circles going and, you know, everybody's praying for each other. So we, I pray for all the pastors in the local churches, the ABF pastors uh, here at Heartland. And I just pray, you know, Jason delivers the mail and Bob delivers the mail and Randy and Jeff. And, you know, I just go kind of through my list and pray over pastors and churches and sermons and people I don't know. Just get the word of God out, Lord. And so that's just if sometimes you need a prayer schedule uh, or even a prayer calendar because it's just it's work in a way. You don't want to make it work, but there is kind of some I think it's good to have some structure. The difference for me is I really feel like if I don't do this, I'm going to be accountable to the judgment seat of Christ. So I can't afford to drop the ball on this. So for me, it kind of is like I got to do this as a priest. I got to pre as a Christian, you do have priestly work to do in regard to intercession and praying and I wasn't taught that, by the way, coming up in discipleship. When we had a lesson on prayer, but I and we we prayed a lot, but we really weren't like praying a lot. You know what I'm saying? We weren't really weren't we really it wasn't emphasized like we'd need Jesus. Like if we don't pray, this isn't happening. If we pray, that cutter's not coming. If we don't pray, those Bibles ain't getting to Ukraine. If we don't pray, I mean, even here at Heartland, I still think we we could we could we could grow a little bit in our dependency on the Lord. In prayer, because as Americans and 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 Laodicean Christians, we kind of take things on like, oh, I got that. We got that. We just need more money. We got it. Just give us some more money. No, you don't need more money. You need more Jesus, right? We need more Jesus. It may it may be associated with finance, but what we really need, the reason we have a cutter coming is because of Jesus. The reason we got Bibles going around the world is because of Jesus. The reason we have an institute and five people graduating in the midst of a season when I would have not guessed we'd had anyone graduating uh, five years ago, that's because of Jesus. I mean, there's a lot of praise, pray, praise to God, hallelujah, but also prayers that have been answered. And so praying is so important to advance in the ball, spiritually speaking. But also, it's a good place to uh, pause tonight. We'll pick this up next week, but... Um, um, because I got another point which goes right along with this. Number two is is praise. We'll pick that up next time. But um, <laughs> um, I will just. It's a good spot when we talk about praying. You know, we're a church full of knowledge, but knowledge what puffeth up, charity edifies. So we talk about witnessing earlier. But one of the ways that you can kind of work out that knowledge that you're getting filled your brain up with, and you know, oh, I know the seven dispensations, and I well, they don't know, they don't know the end times, and blah, blah blah, whatever, you know, whatever. Listen, start praying, and it'll humble you, right? It'll help you, it'll help pop that bubble in your head of knowledge, so you're not like such a big bubble head, and and it'll help, it'll help the heart. And that's what needs to be going on, is the heart has to be affected by what we know, not just the head. And, and prayer helps 
helps that. And that will also help prime the pump for these witnessing. I guarantee you if, if our, our sister Sharon is praying on the way to school as she's going to sub for opportunities to witness, how many times does God give you opportunities to witness? Probably quite a few. It's amazing when you ask. You know one of the things that's convicted me about, about praying? There's mornings on Sunday morning or Saturday night or something, I'll go, huh, or Thursday even, I wonder where so-and-so's been. And I'll pray. Lord, I mean, I don't, I'm not like talking, I'm on the ground groveling, oh God, bring someone back. I'm not even getting that hearty about it. I'm just like, man, God, I wonder what happened to so-and-so. I, I wonder, I, I, they've kind of fallen away. I haven't seen them or... I can't tell you how many times, I really can't, more than 10 times, I have, that has happened on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and for whatever reason I haven't had a chance to follow up, which is usually what I try to do, is like, you know, get an ambassador on it or something, but you know what, they walk right in the door, and every time I'm so convicted, I'm like, oh, man, I need to pray more, because all I had to do was notice it and pray. And then the Holy Ghost went to work, and they walk in the door. And I'm not talking like somebody that maybe missed a couple of weeks in their regular. I'm talking somebody that I'm like, where's that brother been? I got someone in my mind as I'm talking, and I actually know where he's been. But, but that brother, that, where's that brother been? Lord, where's he at? And dude, God will bring that person, bam. And I'm like, and you know what God's telling me. He's like, hey, Brian, you should have been asking that question a lot sooner. Because I've just been waiting for you to pray for him. So that's why I do take that praying kind of personal. Because when you know that your prayer life actually makes it, does get past the ceiling, then you're like walking in a different way. You're like, it's like weird. You're like, whoa. <laughs> like, like God's real. This stuff works. And I hope that we're all living like that. It's not just like, oh, we're throwing our wish list in the sky. When, you get, when it's not about us and it's about God's mission and, and other people, man, I'm telling you, God goes to work, and it is, it's, it is truly awesome. I know Jeff doesn't want us to misuse the word awesome because it only belongs to God, but you can ascribe it to God answering prayer in the, in the most literal way. It is overwhelming. It is, it is awe-inspiring. It is powerful. So why did David and Job, why did they esteem God's word so highly? It wasn't just because it, they had an exalted view of the word of God, although they did. You know, we have a high view of Scripture here, right? But it's because they understood, man, God's Word works. They had a high view of what God was doing in their life and in the life of God's kingdom, and they were a part of it. In this group that we got gathered here tonight, when we talk about body life, guys, it is so important to advance in the mission of God that we're, that we're tuned in with God so that we can help others tune in on a horizontal level. And, you, and if you're like me, you know how important that is because I'm here because people prayed and are praying. You guys pray for me all the time. I mean, that is such a, that's such a big deal. We get back, we'll talk about uh, some more attributes to that. So was this good tonight? I hope you guys enjoyed it. I don't want to bore you with too much detail, but I'm enjoying this. So we'll keep going. We're halfway done, and we'll, we'll get her done here in a few weeks. And then we'll have, we're going to have time for QA, so that'll be fun uh, this year. Yes, ma'am. Oh, thank you. Yes, I skipped her. Yeah, and uh, doesn't she have another follow-up surgery? That was the follow-up? Okay, so this was the follow-up surgery. Yeah, we need to be in prayer for that. And be praying for Joe Hendriesman. 
Uh, he's got a whole load of Bibles going out all over uh, Central America that just came in today, and they're moving them out right now as we speak. So thank you. Let's, uh, let's stand up. You guys have been sitting a long time. We'll get ready to depart. Stand up, stretch your legs, drop everything off your lap, whatever it takes. Heavenly Father, we're, we're thankful.